What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 233 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. My name is Josh Cannon. I'm here with Mike. It's been a, it's been a while since I've seen the way. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. It felt like it's been at least a couple weeks since we've been doing this. And we have Mike with the loud keyboard and the, and the clicky mouse. How you doing, Mike? <laughs> I'm doing fine. Hey, it makes sense. I'm kind of a loud uh, person when it comes to my speaking voice, so it makes sense that all my computer actions are also quite loud. Um, but yeah, I'll try to keep that down. Are you? Are you? Uh, I guess it's, it's just too darn loud for you, apparently. So uh, a lot of you guys may not catch this, or maybe you do, because I know I don't get all of them. So when I'm editing after our podcasts, um, I have to edit out all of Mike's computer typing and his clicking of the mouse, because uh, his mic is right on his desk, and I guess his shit's just really clicky, and it picks up really bad on the mm-hmm. mic, and yeah. it's really distracting, and there's no way that people would listen to the episode. <laughs> if I didn't edit that shit out because it's literally Sounds like, like a fucking typewriter. <laughs> yeah, like I'll be talking and you just hear like <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, holy yeah. shit, Mike, what what are you furiously clicking through? Like <laughs> Good Lord. But yeah, that's why I, I brought that up. So uh Yeah, how's life treating you, Mike? Oh, uh, it's fine. Um I've just been um Working quite a bit with these two jobs, although the next couple weeks seems like the schedules are a little slow, but that's September for you. September is usually like kind of a dead month. So, um, does that explain our poor concert attendance uh, Saturday when my band played a show in our fucking local town? 13 and, people? Yeah, I mean, that was a bit of an exa- <laughs> That was a bit of a under exaggeration. Um, we, we draw. I mean, we draw more people than that normally, but at that particular show, it was pretty sad. Like we, so ha- it was thirteen people at that show. It was something like that. I don't fucking know. It wasn't that many people. Um, but yeah, Mike's referring to a video I made. It was kind of like a like a parody uh, comedy video um, where I basically was just like, I don't know, kind of echoing real feelings that I have, but doing it in a funny way so people can't call me out for being like an angry, bitter old dick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like basically talking about how like you know I'm 33 years old my band isn't where I want it to be that's what I put all this time into like what the fuck do I got to do to get people to like come out to my shows and you know stream my fucking music and like get me to the next level because uh we've tried everything at this point you know and it's just I don't know it's it's so frustrating but I mean thank god you're gonna we- try the one chip challenge you're gonna do that next to Stephanie <laughs> <laughs> one chip challenge what's that it's the it's the spicy chip uh they brought that out again pocky or whatever they brought it out again for 2021 i, I don't even know what any of that is that you're talking yeah it's, about. it's like it was a it was a trending thing i think a, a year or two ago where people would try this incredibly hot spicy chip oh i got you know, it oh, and they, record, they put like some really hot like sauce on it or something no but, no the chip itself was enough because it it was like loaded with all this like extremely spicy powder and stuff like that. Quite frankly, I wish all those fucking TikTok challenges would just go away forever. Well, this was this was around before TikTok. Well, those are stupid too, like the planking challenge and the Tide Pods and all and the cinnamon or or yeah, the cinnamon challenge or the before the chip there was like uh the ghost pepper yeah all that shit i mean like i understand that it 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 
spawns like instant virality in the video and it makes i gotta be honest i watched a lot of them because you know it 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 is it does tap into that whole thing of like how is somebody gonna react yeah i know and that's why they're popular but i just i think that i I hate like because i feel like it takes everyone's attention off of something that could be cool and creative and awesome and they're watching this bullshit instead you know this like just complete some people might feel the same way about taste test video so that's what i, I mean not if you're trying not if you're like curious about another country's food and like you've never been yeah. and you want to know about yeah. it like it's not like a challenge there's no challenge behind it it's just informative i think that's the big difference with that well i think a lot of people when they watch those videos they watch them to see people's reactions so in the same vein as watching a video about somebody trying eating something really spicy i don't know all right, so anyway, we'll be talking about some uh, Unsolved Mysteries cases this week, because this is a show about Unsolved Mysteries, so uh, how apropos. The first case comes to us from one of our Patreon subscribers, and this is one of the benefits that you get when you join the $5 tier. Not only do you get the podcast early, but you also get to tell us what case to cover on the show. Um, I don't know if me and Mike would have ever come, up, come across no. this segment. Uh, Mike's commentary was he would not have wanted to necessarily cover this segment because to him it wasn't super interesting. Um, I think it's mildly interesting. I wouldn't say it's the most interesting thing, but um, I... Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some moments of intrigue, but it, it's just one of those cases that just kind of blends together with other cases like it where you don't really have a lot of concrete evidence. You don't have a lot of things in terms of, like extra added intrigue on top of intrigue you just have like a couple theories about where he might have been or or why he was killed and that's really all you have right so the guy this dude's name is perman gilbert what kind of his fucking name, name is that his name triggers <laughs> me it really does like i i hate that name so much that's probably the ugliest name for a male that I've I've ever heard. I don't know, less less balls, Leslie balls. That's pretty bad. Uh, I, I would I mean, say maybe Perman. I'll take is a little. I'll, I'll take less balls over Perman Gilbert any day of the week. All right. And apparently he was really popular with the ladies and really good looking and all that. So I wonder if they were over there calling him Sperm and Perman at the hair salon. <laughs> Oh, you gotta have old Sperman Perman come in for a house call, if you know what I mean. He really knows how to use his monkey wrench. Oh, the, that was lowbrow and not funny. All right, let's move past it. Guy's got a weird name. On May 23rd, 1982, in the small town of Hammersville, Ohio, a, fif- a 15-year-old... I almost like just said that in the weird... A 15-year-old boy made a terrible <laughs> discovery... <laughs> Uh, this, this little, this 15 year old kid was like riding back home on, uh, his parents riding lawnmower. Cause I guess he yeah. just mowed a neighbor's yard. I just thought that was funny. Cause at first I thought they were going to be like, yeah, that's just his form of transportation. That's how he, that dude, there are, <laughs> there are like, there are like people who have like, they've just like lost their driver's license here. Cause they've got yeah. their fourth or fifth DUI and like. That's their mode of transportation to go to the store to get their their twelve. Uh, That's good. They just go ride on their lawnmower. Yep, they're riding lawnmower. Um, there was a whole movie called The Straight Story, 
which is directed by David Lynch of all people, who directed Dune and Eraserhead and right and Blue Velvet and uh, Twin Peaks, Lost Highway, yeah, yeah, and the whole film was just this guy who went cross country on his riding lawnmower. That's the whole movie. Jesus Christ. This older guy who just decided to go on a cross-country trip on his riding lawnmower. That must have been on the heels of one of his successful movies because I don't think oh, yeah. I, I don't think any studio would be like, well, your last movie flopped, so yeah, you can go ahead and make that movie about the old man on the riding lawnmower. Like... <laughs> anyway, it's 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 one of the most uh, unique films in his filmography, and and you think, oh wow, like he's known for being so unique enough as it is, but it's 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 really one of those standout films because it's not really that bizarre or right. weird, other than it's just an old guy driving around on a riding lawnmower. <laughs> Jesus Christ, David Lynch is so crazy. Um, so anyway, this this boy discovered this man's naked ass body on the side of the road, and he's he was, that's traumatizing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, thankfully he was face down, so the kid didn't see the dude's dead face. But uh, either way, you know, dude's dumped on the side of the road, beaten and naked, kind of disturbing. But um, so that night, the man would be identified as Perman Gilbert, an appliance repairman who lived just seven miles from the place his body was found. The most puzzling thing about Perman Gilbert's murder was that he appeared, to those who knew him, to lead such a normal, non-controversial life. But in this small Ohio town, it was not long before phrases like organized crime, drug trafficking, and jealous husband began to be heard. And you're saying that there wasn't nothing interesting about this case, Mike. How dare you? (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I'm just That's kind of the norm for these kind of cases, isn't it? Like, oh, a jealous lover or you know, they were involved in drugs or somebody asked them to drug traffic. Traffic drugs. Yeah, you literally have all three motivations here. You got money, drugs, and jealousy, like like the three the three reasons people kill people. Anyway, um Perman Gilbert was a beloved husband and a father of four, even though he may or may not have been cheating on his wife. His passion was flying his small plane, but he made his living fixing household appliances. God, what a novel time to live in back when that that happened. You You could make your living fixing fixing small appliances appliances. and make enough to be able to afford a small plane. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, people did that back then. When something broke, they just got it fixed. Now now you just throw it away and get a new one from Amazon, you know? Well, Well, a lot of the stuff today is also built specifically right. to only last a certain amount of time yeah i was gonna say that after 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 saying what i just said it's like i was thinking well you know back in the day shit was made to last too and i, and I sound like an old man saying like back in my day things were built but i mean even back in my day things weren't really you know like i'd say back in like the 60s and 70s you know 50s things were just built higher quality anyway back when it was still made in america this is America, after all, last time I checked. Sorry. Again, having my uh, MAGA moment. So, um, <laughs> during the week, Perman worked for a large company, but on Saturdays, he worked for himself and scheduled his own house calls. According to his wife, Joanne, the Saturday of his murder, Perman was hesitant about leaving work. When he left that Saturday morning, it was probably around 8.30, and he said he didn't want to go, and now it bothers me. That's what I remember about him leaving that morning. 
Perman refused to uh, Perman refused offers to move drugs. And that's like where it's like, well, wait a minute. That's kind of a yeah, kind of a left turn in the story. Here. Yeah. Perman's service calls that Saturday morning took him to Mount Orab, Georgetown and Aberdeen, all small towns within a few miles of his home. When his work was complete, Perman crossed the Simon Kenton Bridge into Maysville, Kentucky. He stopped at a market where a woman named Ann Breeze worked as a cashier. Ann recalled Perman's visit that Saturday. He was always very neat. Greeted you, you, you know, very friendly every time you saw him. I never saw the man down or act like he had a care in the world. When Perman left the market, he walked into the flower shop next door, but no one can account for Perman Gilbert's movements after that. He told his wife Joanne that he would be back home around three that afternoon, but never arrived. Then it got to be dark and he wasn't here, and it got to be midnight and I was scared and I was afraid to go out. I had a small child and I was afraid to put her in the car and go out looking. And then I think about around three in the morning, I called one of our friends and you know, have you seen Pearlman? Do you know where he's at? Anything like that? And they didn't. Joanne Gilbert called the police. They were unable to turn any leads until late the next afternoon when her husband's body was found. Perman had been shot twice in the chest. Because no cloth fibers were found in the two bullet wounds, police believed that Perman had been naked above the waist at the time he was shot. Although Perman... That's, that's kind of crazy. Like, that's an interesting... Like, like why would the killers do that? Were they... I, I just... Huh. Yeah. Did they corner him when he was, like, in the middle of, like, changing a shirt or something? He might have been, those... been boofing one of those wives who's doing... He's doing the house no, call. Well, maybe... Although Perman's clothes were never found, his van was located the next day. According to Sheriff John Van Camp of the Claremont County Sheriff's Department, the van was located 22 miles away from the spot where his body has been discovered. Perman Gilbert's watch was still hanging on the gear shift lever. His toolbox was in there. Parts and supplies were in place in the van. We did an inspection of the van and recovered fingerprints and hair samples. At this time... We've not been able to match the fingerprints and hair samples to fuck all. I kind of made up that last part. <laughs> Can you imagine if, like, <laughs> you're just watching an old Unsolved Mystery segment and then just uh, some swearing just slips and they have right to, like, through? And they have to bleep it out. And that, that would be very <laughs> weird to see on that. Um, so the investigation into Perman's murder presented three possible scenarios. The first involved drugs. Perman often flew his small plane from a rough landing strip on his farm. According to Joanne Gilbert, Perman claimed that he had been approached to transport drugs. And, and in the reenactment, you got like <laughs> the the drug traffickers are like really kind, and and they're 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 not being like really demonstrative and trying to get him to do it. Yeah, it they have a comes little. Across. They have a little patina of sleaziness to him. He's like, yeah, yeah. come on, man, it yeah, pays really bit. good, you know. And yeah. he's like, no, no, I don't want to do it. And if you keep asking me, I'm going to look the authorities. Um, but anyway. But yeah, it's a little patina sleaziness, but it's 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 that vintage early Unsolved Mysteries kind of sleaziness where it's still got some wholesome qualities Made to for it. TV sleaziness. Yeah. yeah. So his wife goes on to say, and all he had to do was take the airplane and fly it to a certain airport Go in, have a cup of coffee, come back out, and there'd be money laying on the seat or under the seat. And it would have been easy money, but it's against the law, and it's against everything we believed in. 
Yeah, I mean, if you get caught for that, you're you're an accessory in transporting drugs. I mean, you can go to jail exactly. for a long time for that. I mean, but you know. what what if you if you knew that you could get away with it, would you consider it? Probably. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I uh, did, a, did a heel turn real quick on that one. <laughs> if I if they could somehow set it up to where it's like uh, I was unknown, I unknowingly, you know. Yeah. I'd probably do it like once and then not do it again. Yeah. But of course, if you do it the one time, they're going to they're going to That's watch the you. problem. See, that's why I wouldn't do it because I would think about doing it cuz it's easy money, but then I would realize that if I did it one time, then I'm tied with these fucking drug dealers and they know who I am, right. and probably know where I live, and if I refuse to do it, then it's just going to be very problematic. So, I'll just say no to start out with. But even then, like it could still lead to an issue where because i think that's the most plausible scenario i think he was killed by those uh drug traffickers i think that's what happened so the second theory involves perman's brother vernon bunch of weird ass <laughs> name having family over here perman and vernon <laughs> hey vernon and perman where's sherman <laughs> he better not be sperman with herman <laughs> oh god <laughs> Um, so Vernon was 12 years younger than Perman and they were devoted to one another Uh, three months before Perman was killed Vernon Gilbert had agreed to appear before grand jury Vernon uh, planned to testify in a case against organized crime Perman waited in town while his brother testified Joanne believed her husband may have been the target of a hired killer maybe my husband knew too much Maybe Perman was killed to lure his brother back to a funeral and because they were after him, really. But then his brother didn't come to the funeral. According to Sheriff Van Camp, Perman Gilbert may have also been involved in a crime of passion. The very nature of Perman Gilbert's home appliance repair business placed him in many households alone with a family member. What we need now is for someone to come forward and help us trace Perman Gilbert from that flower shop. Anyone that has seen him around the flower shop or in the parking lot with his cream and brown van at that time or later in that day, we'd like to hear from. A reward of $20,000 is being offered in this case. Of course he drives around a a (laughs) cream-colored van. Oh, Mike, that was gross. (laughs) You didn't have to do... You're a classier guy than that. Come on. So this case remains unsolved. The investigators reopened the case in 2011. Sadly, his wife, Joanne Schneider Gilbert, died in April of 2012 without learning any new information of her husband's death. Police and Perman's children are still searching for answers. And by the way, we were just messing around. Uh, It's really unfortunate and honestly sad uh, that Perman died, especially in that way. So, I mean, because that's such a shameful and, and just like, I mean, just can you imagine that? Like, oh, you die and you're just left on the side of the road naked. Pretty fucked up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I honestly think it's the uh, the 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 jealous lover or the jealous okay. husband uh, angle. All right. They said they didn't right. find any fibers in the in the bullet wounds or whatever. So that means he was not wearing a shirt. I mean, what like. Maybe they took it off to torture him or something, ah, but well, then they didn't find well, anything what, they put else like on a, his electrodes on his nipples or something. 
I don't know. I yeah. just I feel like in a small town like that. Um, but you would think like in a small town like that, because there's only there's a small amount of suspects. There's a small pool of suspects. You think they would have figured it out already? Yeah, unless the person who did it is in bed with the uh, police station, you know. And yeah, that's and, a possibility. And he's like buddies with the sheriff or whatever. And yeah, you know, he's like sheriff. My- I think it. Yeah, it could be either or. Like it could be like an instance like that with a jealous lover who shot him. Uh, and it could also be the the, the uh, drug trafficking thing, because now he knows what they're doing and gotta kill him to uh, make sure that there aren't any, any there aren't any witnesses. There there isn't anyone who could go to trial. You know what I see happen on this show a lot is um, they'll throw out all these theories and all these kind of. Um, speculations on all these various scenarios these these people that are in the victim's life and like what role they might have played in their demise and then you get an update and it's like oh yeah uh the person who actually murdered uh or did the crime was some random homeless person exactly who, who yeah, just it did it or, for no reason or it's just some random criminal yeah like all the cases where the women are found dead, it, that's usually like where you see a situation. They're looking at the ex boyfriend. They're looking at this guy and that guy who who last. No, it saw was just her. this career criminal. No, it's who just decided some decided to some random guy who just decided to kill and, and rape him. You know, and it's just like so. It could be one of those things too for old Perman, Permster. Yeah, but the whole but. Uh, I keep going back to the you know there's no fibers in the in the bullet holes, and it does make sense that he was didn't have at least a shirt on when so he was you're, killed. You're, so you're thinking uh, Perman was Sperman? That's yeah, it. probably. I mean that now yeah, because I would probably say the whole drug trafficking trafficking thing makes sense in theory. But when you just throw in the whole thing where he was shirtless at the very least, it it, it really does bring into question like why would they need him shirtless? You know, unless the drug dealers were gay, oh, maybe. gay gay drug dealers, a gay uh, car- drug cartel. It's possible. Yeah, it is possible. We have to Anything look at we possible. have to look at every angle. But all possibilities. <laughs> God, I'm stupid. Sorry to interrupt your currently scheduled programming, but since Eggman insists that all I do is promote my band, I'm going to do just that. Here's some songs, a little taste, little clips from uh, some of our more favorite tracks from my band Dancing With Ghosts. And if you want to hear more, head on over to Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, if that's still a thing, uh, YouTube, everywhere, and uh, listen to more.
I don't know what we're talking about anyway. We're talking about old sperm and permin and the gay <laughs> drug cartel that might have taken him out. All right. I think that's all there is to say about this case. It seems pretty damn like unknown as to what happened. And, you know, obviously, if it hasn't been solved by now, you know, it's. Yeah. Unfortunately. And, this, and this was an old, you know, this was an old case. This, this was 1982. Yeah. This wasn't like the one we're about to talk about, which happened in 1998. Which is still pretty fucking old, but not as old as eighty-two. Yeah, which is po- what so, forty, almost forty years ago. Jesus Christ! Yeah, a long time ago. So uh, this is gonna be a little bit of an edit, but yeah, just edit out all that awkwardness. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. All right, we'll do. <laughs> Some of that. Sometimes that shit happens when we're we're just train of thought, whatever. Sometimes it just goes off the rails. Yeah. All right. So. The next case, it's one that I picked from, I believe it's season 10. Uh, so this is one of the later seasons, while the Perman-Gilbert case was from season 1. So, this is the case of Ted Binion. Uh, a bunion of a man, to be perfectly honest, uh, because of a lot of the unscrupulous and pretty lame things that he uh, did in his life. So, Nevada casino millionaire and former Binion's Horseshoe Casino boss Ted Binion was found dead in his Las Vegas penthouse in September 17th uh, of 1998 with an empty Xanax bottle by his side and heroin paraphernalia in the bathroom. The scene made authorities assume that he had died of an accidental overdose or suicide. His living girlfriend, 26-year-old former stripper Sandy Murphy, had found his body and called 911. She claimed that he was depressed because of the loss of his gambling license, which he lost in 1998. He allegedly did so because of his involvement with organized crime, heroin, and unsavory characters. Like I said, it's fucking Bunyan. Uh, He was forced to sell his shares of the casino to his sister. Despite the problems with his casino and personal life, most of Ted's family and friends did not believe that he would have committed suicide. They were also suspicious of the accidental overdose theory. Toxicology reports released two weeks after his death showed that he had lethal amounts of both Xanax and heroin in his body. That is not a good combination of two drugs. (laughs) Well, I think they're both down. I mean, I know know Xanax is a downer. I think heroin is too. So, I mean, you're mixing two downers and, yeah, I mean, probably cut off your respiratory system. Yeah. He would not have taken them at the same time, though, apparently. Also, the coroner found heroin in his, stu- in his stomach. This was suspicious because he was known to smoke heroin, not ingest it. I didn't even know you could smoke heroin. I thought, I thought you just... Isn't, I thought people just shot up heroin. No, you can smoke it. You can smoke it. Okay. You can inject it. You can eat it. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, a lot of people don't like mainlining it it's too you know that's like too too a bridge too far for them okay that's that's how you get the purest effect from it though is injecting it so investigators began to look into ted and sandy's relationship they met while she was stripping uh their relationship was tumultuous uh and since this was like a later season of unsolved mysteries like they try to do like reenactments with the And it's pretty uh, bad, just like it normally is with these kind of things. Where like they go to a strip club, 
and it's just just super sanitized and yeah and pc and then the music in the background mike was wanting to see some titties <laughs> no i knew i know i wasn't gonna be able to see that that's another thing if i saw that in unsolved mysteries i'd be like oh my god what Sensors are going to be pissed. <laughs> so, on the day of his death, everything, everything seemed normal. However, at about 9 a.m., Sandy called their housekeeper, telling her that she did not need to come into work that day because Ted was not feeling well. At around noon, his friend Barbara Brown called, asking if he was there. Sandy said that he was very ill and vomiting. She claimed that he did not want anyone to see him because he was losing weight. I don't know. That just sounds very suspicious, to say the least. Like somebody's speaking for the guy. I don't know about that. Uh, Barbara didn't believe this because she talked to him several times that week and he seemed fine. So that's another reason why it's suspect. Uh, She felt that Sandy was trying to prevent her from coming over. She called again at 2 p.m. and 3.40 p.m., but there was no answer. Probably because he was dead at that time. Uh, After his death, allegations surfaced that Ted has suspicions about Sandy. He contacted a private investigator and asked him to follow her around. He discovered that she may have been having an affair with his friend and business associate, Rick Tabish. They were seen together at a hotel the weekend before his death. That's never a good sign. When you see your girlfriend or your wife with some other guy at a hotel. Use a hoe. Use a hoe. <laughs> I said that. Use a hoe. I mean, there's a chance. There's a slim chance that they might be just friends. That they were just playing tiddlywinks up in his apartment or his hotel. I mean, you never know. I mean, there are such things as like male friends, but it's I just think, one of those things. I think more than likely he know. was playing with her tiddlies. <laughs> While he's giving her a wink. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think was really happening. <laughs> So, the day before uh, he uh, died, he contacted his attorney and told him to cut out Sandy from his will. Specifically, he stated, take Sandy out of the will. If she doesn't kill me tonight, I'm dead. If, if I'm dead, you'll know what happened. Woof. But he seemed to already know what was going to happen kind of, Kind of forecasting that there a little bit, like... 48 hours after Ted's death, Rick, along with two others, were arrested while trying to empty his underground vault. Like, this is like a crazy, like, uh, development in the case. Yeah. Th- this f- motherfucker, he-, he decided to go out in the middle of the fucking night. I think he rented a dump truck or something. And he had all these guys and all these other accomplices with him. And they were emptying his underground vault, and they were taking out all this silver. Like, this insane amount of silver. It's kind of a random, uh, I guess, uh, what is it, a mineral, whatever. Uh, usually it's, like, either gold or platinum. Yeah, but silver can still still be worth yeah, a, a fair I, amount Yeah, I know, of but it just, I don't know, it seemed kind of random. At least pure silver. So, Rick along with two others, they were arrested while trying to empty out his underground vault and take out all the silver. Uh, and they have the reenactment. The cop comes up. He's like, what are you doing? Not nothing. Just dig, Just moving some dirt. <laughs> I just love that. It's just, like, just moving some dirt. 
like and the really late at night, you know, because that's, yeah. that's real, like, real, like, non-suspicious. Just very normal, above-the-board kind Extremely of Extremely plausible scenario. Normal. Totally, uh, 100% normal scenario to, to be a part of. You know, we just, n- none of us could sleep, and we were thinking about his daughter and how we really wanted this money to go to her college fund. And it's like, you know what? What the heck? It's I know it's like three AM in the morning. None of us can sleep. Let's let's just knock this out. Let's let's get that silver for his daughter. But they didn't even say that they were getting the silver at first. They're trying to say they're just moving some dirt. That's the part that gets me. Yeah, just moving some dirt. <laughs> so the cop didn't believe that, understandably so, and then found out what they were doing and then arrested them. Uh, Rick's explanation was that he claimed that Ted had told him if anything happened to him, he should dig up the silver, turn it into cash, and put it into a trust fund. <laughs> uh, and the cop didn't buy that bullshit either. So the, uh, And in March of 1999, based on observations that Ted's body and scene and the scene had been tampered with, his death was ruled a homicide and remains under investigation. Investigators have found some evidence that he may have died as much as nine hours before Sandy called 911. This meant that when Barbara called and talked to her, he was probably already dead. Private investigator Tom Dillard discovered that Sandy took a phone call from Rick eight minutes before she called 911. The prime suspects in the case are them. However, nobody has been charged and the case remains unsolved, at least at the time. So Sandy and Rick are the prime suspects in Ted's death. They were reportedly having an affair, and a housekeeper claims that Sandy had told her not to come in the day of Ted's death. Barbara talked to Sandy that day, but she refused to let her see him. Uh, there's a whole thing with the attorney, and da 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 da. Uh, apparently, the case was solved, uh, but before that, it was also documented on Forty Eight Hours, Snapped, and on the case with Paula Zahn. It also served as a basis for an episode of CSI called Busted. So after extensive forensic work by forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Baden, it was discovered that Ted had actually been suffocated to death based on marks on his body. Huh. Interesting. In June of 1999, Rick and Sandy were arrested for his murder. I mean, that that was the most obvious uh outcome and that's the one that i would have assumed was the reality of the situation they were also charged with burglary and grand larceny at their trials prosecutors presented a video of sandy taken just one days after ted's death uh in the video taken by her civil attorney it showed her going through items in his house pointing out that some were hers and and that some that she wanted uh the video according to prosecutors showed her true character in it, she appeared to be more concerned about her possessions and about Ted's death. And that video well, was like, <laughs> that was pretty scathing. It was like, in the video, she's like, and that's mine. Make sure you film that. That's mine. That's too expensive to leave behind. And these plates, count them. You know, these these plates are also mine. And she's just like straight up. Bi- yeah. She's all business, baby. There's no, there's not even a whimper in her voice. She's pissed. Yep. So several witnesses testified that they had heard Sandy loudly declaring that Ted would soon die of an overdose and that she would be coming into a lot of money. What a fucking bitch. Also, what an idiot. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Or just loudly declare like, oh yeah, uh, Ted's going to die soon of an overdose and I'm going to get his money. 
I'm gonna be rich. I'm gonna be one rich bitch. Yeah, typically people don't plan their overdoses. No, it just kind of just kind of happens. Unless it's a suicide, but then yeah, it's yeah. not considered an overdose, is it? Is it? Well, yeah, it is. Is it still considered? It's still considered an overdose. So I mean, I guess technically you could plan your overdose, but. No, most of the times it's an overdose so you took too yeah. much of something accidentally well also there's rarely any instance where someone else plans your overdose but yeah for you and then goes around talking about like you like you can't wait until it happens like you know i ain't saying she's a gold digger but she ain't messing with no broke cracker <laughs> so they Heard her loudly declaring of the, uh, that Ted was going to die and that she was going to get rich. Witnesses also testified that Rick had severe financial problems, which would have given him a motive to kill Ted and steal his silver. Two witnesses also testified that he had talked about killing Ted and asked for their help. <laughs> what a, I, he's also a dumbass too. Like really, I, I just I just find it so crazy that in a fair amount of these cases, like people are so open about talking about breaking the law and doing things like killing someone or asking someone for help to kill someone for money. Yeah, really. I mean, like, I mean, if somebody ever said anything like that to me, I would be like, uh, I don't, even though I wasn't the subject of this person's ire, I don't want this person walking the streets. Like if they're, you know, going around talking about wanting to kill people or trying to kill someone, yeah, and all nonchalant like that, too. That's like if, Mike, if you told me, like, in all seriousness, you were like, yeah, man, I'm really sick of this this guy on YouTube all, who's always commenting on my shit, and I finally found his address. You know, I'm going to send him some anthrax. You know, you, you know where I can get any of that? I'd be like, dude, I don't know if I want to talk to you anymore. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. So, uh, however, uh, actually, yeah, the witnesses testified, uh, and uh, the two were convicted of all charges and sentenced to life in prison in 2000. However, they were granted a new trial in 2004, and they were both acquitted of Ted's murder, but they were found guilty of lesser charges of conspiracy to commit murder, burglary, and grand larceny. Sandy was sentenced to one to five years, but was released for time already served. Rick, who was already serving time for unrelated crimes, received up to 10 years, and he has since been released. Of course, now we get that update, where it's like, oh, they were convicted of all the charges and sentenced to life in prison, like they should have been. But then they were granted a new trial because of some bullshit or something, some loophole, something was missed at the trial, whatever, led to some evidence having to be dismissed, more than likely, and then they wound up, be- they wound up being acquitted of the murder. I wonder how well or unwell liked that Ted Binion guy was in Las Vegas. Because it might have been one of those things to where it's like, well, a bunch of people (laughs) wanted him dead, and these people just happened to make it happen. So, you know, uh, we're just going to kind of like be like, all right, you know, time served, whatever, you know, thanks. Well, I mean, the videos they showed of the guy, he seemed like a (laughs) douchebag. I mean, you know, just the very nature of, like, what he's into. Like, he owned, like, the, a high-stakes gambling casino and, 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 like, the lifestyle that he lived and all that. Like, he probably, you know, probably didn't have the best kind of moral compass. 
No. Although he's who, hanging out with fucking organized crime members and shit. Yeah. And they were saying at his uh, funeral, like, judges and politicians were standing right next to, like, strippers and mafia or gang people. <laughs> he's like, your typical, oh your typical Las Vegas funeral, you know? Oh, shit. Is that all we got on old Bunyan, Binion, Onion, yep, Bunyan? That's all we, yeah, that's all we got on Funyuns. All right, Ted Funyun we'll do a here. Josh Flower Diary and then uh, call this one, because I got to go fucking host karaoke. Uh, this is the perks of being a Josh Flower segment, where I read diaries from my uh, old Zanga entries that I made when I was a teenager, all the way up until I was like 24. And we are resuming... Uh, Monday, May 24th, 2010. For some reason, the t- the entries are starting to skip around. Um, so it might jump from May to January. I don't know why it's doing it, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. So, all right. Here goes. Uh, the, the title of this entry is I'm on an Island. Yep, the title rings true. Lately, ever since I've stopped talking to Caroline, which was about a month ago... I've been really fucking lonely. I think I'm depressed, but it's not the usual normal depression I'm used to. And I mean, I get happy. I have good moods and good times. But if I'm not directly in front of somebody talking to them, I feel really fucking lonely. Like right now, uh, and I've been getting really... uh, Oh, like right now. And I've been getting really desperate with girls too, which is never a good way to get with uh, them. I've been wanting to get laid so bad lately, and I don't really know why. It's almost unbearable. Masturbation simply keeps the demons at bay. <laughs> oh my god. But I need the real thing. Soon. Holy shit. I feel the like... horn dog diaries over here. <laughs> I feel like these could be called the diaries of a serial rapist, lol. What? Why? Why, what why, why would you say that? I haven't... What the hell? Never raped anybody. <laughs> why would you... S- what the hell, Josh? I guess I was I guess I was postulating that like th- this sounds like the behavior that a serial rapist would write about in their diaries like, "Oh, I got to get laid really bad." But that that is one of the examples that of something I said in the past that was in really poor taste and I would have never said like nowadays. So, stupid, bad, Josh. <laughs> uh, I go on. I propositioned a girl for sex the other day, a well-known slut. A girl I hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, I knew if I had kept calm about it, I would have eventually gotten it, but I grew impatient, and in doing so, I alienated her by asking for it straight away. Quote, would you hook up with me? Or some similar phrase was the word I used. Why? Why the fuck did I throw my cards out on the table for everyone to see? I am such a fool sometimes. Well, most of the times. Her response was unsurprising. Perhaps it would have been a surpri- perhaps it would have been surprising for a normal average looking guy, but to me very unsurprising. You see, I am used to girls turning me down for anything and everything. Even though my batting average has been considerably considerably better since I've lost weight from my awkward junior high and early high school years, I still have a lot of trouble playing the game. So this slut turned me down for sex because as soon as I, Josh, wanted sex, she didn't want to be a slut anymore. Mm-hmm, sure, yeah. That's exact. Uh, I'm sure that's it. Now, granted, I was fucking... I was a fucking dork for going right out and saying, Hey, uh, touch my winky. But still, she's a fucking slut. There is no other business except maybe buying drugs in which indirectness is the only way to get a service. 
What if I went to McDonald's and in, in order to get a cheeseburger, you had to romance the cashier and after a few days of going up there, finally coax her to fix you a cheeseburger and make it look like that wasn't the only reason you were ever there in the first place. If you understood, if you understood that, then you are smarter than me. But anyway, I'm really lonely and I feel as though everyone is ignoring me. Not so much guys, but girls. I feel like everyone has these big, busy, important lives that they couldn't possibly spare a fucking minute to dedicate to hanging out with me. It's definitely frustrating because I know as soon as I get a fucking girlfriend, they're all going to come out of the woodwork, but whatever. I would love to have a special person in my life right now. I just don't know if anyone else could put up with my high-maintenance personality. Oh, and my bitching and negativity. There was this hottie that came up to CVS the other day, and I got her number. I was so happy for the rest of the night, and then I texted her, and she never texted back. And in a fatal attempt to get a response from her, I texted her again today. No reply. I'm telling you, man, I'm fucking done. The quality of girls I can get, I don't fucking want. There are a few girls that I could quote-unquote get, if you will, but I'm just not into them at all. I just can't be with a girl that doesn't have a good body. I'm sorry. I'm not into fat chicks anymore. Any pooch, frumpiness, or excessive stretch marks are not for me. Oof. Oof. That's, that's a rough take there, buddy. Oh, uh, Josh, you know, body positivity, man. Come on, you know. <laughs> that was a long time ago, everybody. I know uh, I have some of those things, but I don't care. I just can't be with a girl whose body I'm not attracted to. And you know, maybe all girls I'm trying to talk to that are ignoring me are thinking the same thing about me. Ugh. I would hope not. I, I would hope that's not the case, but a guy with a good body gets girls. I'm really working on the weightlifting part, but the diet, I just can't get under control, especially the drinking of the alcohol. I gotta cut that shit the fuck out, man. Anyways, uh, just uh, spoiler alert, I never got under control. Anyways, I just need a life right now. And then I put um, this MySpace address that I think led to this band I was in. Oh yeah, Moore's Revenge. Moore's Revenge isn't working out so great. I think at this point I'm going to weigh the pros and cons of this band and what we've done. Excuse me, what I have done. This is all since like February, I believe. One, recruited a drummer. Two, recruited a bassist. Three, got caught to speed with the songs. Four, played a show. Five, recorded a new song. Six, made stickers. Seven, made demos. Eight, revamped the MySpace page. Nine, got photos taken of. 10. Bought a shit ton of gear for the band. Mark only wants one band practice a week, though. I swear that guy is such a fucking pussy. He has no dedication. He has no drive for the band. Uh, he has no passion. It's all flat flaccidity. Who the fuck gets anywhere from one fucking band practice a week? Preston isn't a good bassist and can never practice because he works all the fucking time or is never having any gas. Trey is the only person in the band that is dedicated to this as much as I am. Well, no one is dedicated to this as much as I am, but he's dedicated. He's not the greatest drummer, but there are a lot of bands that have average drummers. The main thing is the guitar, keys, and vocals. Anyway, I think I've posted a long enough blog about my fucking life, you know? I remember writing on this damn thing before anyone referred to these as blogs. They were just called online journals or journal entries or some shit like that. Interesting stuff, I know. Goodbye and a fuck you, good sirs. <laughs> okay don't know why it ended that way but okay uh what a lot of pro- what is the story behind the band's 
name? What Moore's Revenge? A Moore's like a Moore is the god of love. So like love's revenge essentially. Oh, oh. I did not come up with that name. That was Mark, my ex guitar player slash singer guy. So it was like a more. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, our songs weren't that bad. They honestly were like, they were like pop punk songs. Amore's Revenge. And they would have, I mean, honestly, like, they could have gotten popular because it, like, that music was still popular at that time. But we could not get a solid band together. And it was one of those situations where Mark sounded vocally, he sounded way better in the studio than he did live. Like, we kind of sucked live. So, um, so yeah, it was, we just didn't, we weren't surrounded by the right people, you know. And, you know, again, just another more time that I wasted hanging out with the wrong people. Now, Trey is still, funny enough, is still my friend to this day and still is playing in Dancing with Ghosts, our live shows. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, sorry for any of that that offended anybody. Uh, Obviously, that was from 2010. That was 11 years ago. I've done a lot of growing since then. And uh, so, yeah, uh, apologize for any of that. A lot of times I would just... That was my personal journal, you know. I didn't care who saw it because I didn't think anyone would see it. And now I'm reading it for everyone to hear. And, you know, I said dumb shit back then occasionally. So apparently Steve from Blue's Clues has released uh, some YouTube video. I haven't seen the video. Have you seen it? Huh. No. Yes. What? what? Steve from Blue's Clues. If I can fucking talk. Blue's Clues. (laughs) He released released a video. (laughs) I think it was today or yesterday. And, um... I think he's just given like a nice pep talk or something. I've I've been seeing it all over my Facebook screenshots and he's dressed like the exact same way he dressed back in the day and uh-huh. all that. And um there's like one of the main ones I've been seeing is um there's like a caption underneath and he said I never forgot about you or something like that and everyone's like I'm not crying you're crying and you know doing all those kind of jokey kind of like oh this is like uh-huh. really you know Tugging, tugging at the uh, the feels, yeah. you know. So I I didn't feel like getting emotional before the podcast because for some reason I've been on on my period for the past month and uh, <laughs> I've, I'm like overly sensitive uh, to certain things these days. Like, huh? Everyone's talking about um, that 9/11 documentary on Netflix, and yeah. um, I'm not gonna watch it, dude. I don't want it. I'm, t- I'm, t- I know it's gonna bum me the fuck out. Like, it's gonna uh-huh. make me really sad. Um, Did you see all the posts about how Brendan Fraser is just this awesome, wholesome actor, and now there's all these like memes about it's like their favorite actor. No, yeah, they're, they're talking about how he's untouchable and and so on and. Well, I mean, I've always liked Brendan Fraser. So this is nothing new for me, and I always did feel for him because he got raked over the coals big time by his ex-wife. Like she took him to the cleaners. I liked him in Airheads. Yeah, he was a lot of fun in that. <laughs> I I don't um, I don't know. I, I you know he was. He, I always thought he was kind of a. Generic. I grew up with the Mummy. You know the Mummy films. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Encino Man and stuff like that. Yeah, he's not like. Uh, I'm not going to say like he's the best actor in the world, but I've always felt that he at least had the charisma that you want from uh, a actor that you're going to see have a significant role in a movie. Because there's a lot of times where you have an actor who they think is going to be some big deal, but they don't really have the charisma to pull it off. So then they just keep shoving this actor down your throat. But then you're like, this isn't going to work like uh, Taylor Kish, for instance. 
the guy who starred in Battleship and was a gambit in one of the X-Men movies. Yeah. I don't know. I like weird. I like the weirder kind of actors like uh, Steve. Well, Brendan Fraser is kind of a weird actor. Have you seen Monkey Bone? Like, that's a really weird film. No, but I saw the Nostalgia uh, Critics review on Monkey Bone and he didn't like it very much. Ah, uh, who, who who gives a fuck, <laughs> dude? I I am so checked out of of Doug Walker. Like I I just stopped watching his shit. He I, did an interview with somebody, I think, double toasted or whatever, and he was asked about the situation, and he just kind of danced around it because he couldn't legally say much, but it didn't really seem like he actually took a whole lot of responsibility. Like he just kind of did that whole like. Oh well, you know, we could have it, it could have you know, some people have said this, da 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 and and yes, you know, time over time, you know, we've you know, changed our, our uh viewpoint or we're we're learning new whatever. But like there was never really a moment where it, it just it felt like you know, le- like that like a lawyer or somebody who's just like you can't really say much Right. So it didn't really seem like it was very sincere. It felt like it was like some pre-prepared statement. By the way, I'm putting all this at the end of the podcast. Um, well, that's understandable. Yeah. 100%. Um, it, I mean, I, st- I honestly still stand by what I said in my initial videos uh, the, during the heat of the Channel Awesome backlash. Um, you know, and, and for those of you don't, who don't know, it, Doug Walker, the nostalgia critic, he he makes YouTube videos where he critiques movies, and they used to be pretty comical, and now they're just kind of cringy and shitty. And um, he'd made a few movies of his own that were really awful, really fucking horrible movies, and he had a bunch of extras and. This document came out a few years ago that pretty much railed against the like how they were treated and um, just. It wasn't just that; it was also uh, there's a lot of things in terms of the employer, you know, that he was, uh, you know, aligned with at the time, and I think still is, and how other people under Channel Awesome's banner were treated, and and yeah, some of the stuff was exaggerated. Um, that tends to happen when it comes to these kind of. Uh, anonymous documents or or tell-alls, but I think there were some legitimate, you know, instances of like kind of serious stuff. There were, but should've... but like with the child grooming yeah. and shit like that. But I mean, none yeah. of that falls on Doug's shoulders. I mean, I I mean, I think that like yeah. all the stuff that was going on back then, it's like he was super young. He didn't really know. He wasn't that young. He wasn't that, yeah, he wasn't that young, but like he was, you know, still amateur enough to like not really know that, oh, I don't know about that. We need to have a craft service, you know, food here and we need to have all this. I don't know about that. That seems, that's kind of just common sense. I don't know, dude. As far as someone who's actually like, I've actually shot a lot of stuff, you know, myself with like me and Stephanie and video and all that there's just a lot of stuff you don't think about because you're so you like you're so hyped up to get this like let's let's go on set let's shoot the video and you don't really think about oh shit i'm hungry we we didn't even bring anything to eat like uh, oh did you have water no did you bring it no and then it's just like well fuck you know now we got to run to the gas station it's just just shit you don't think about and and then the next time you do it you try to think about those things but um 
I don't know. I just, I, I just, it, it came off as really like some of the the complaints came off as really petty and really like just like really you're gonna pile on because because you didn't have like you know I, I don't know like just some of the shit I don't remember the specifics but some of it I was just like dude you you guys well, all sound I, like I, whiny little babies. I mean I I agree with that to an extent. I mean there were some of the complaints that were kind of like eh, you know like that's that's a bit of a stretch. But yeah. 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 Anyway, <laughs> so the, this is at the end of the podcast uh, for a reason, and and you'll know why uh, after you just. Got I, no, I don't. I don't think you know. Just to you know, kind of uh, put a, a bow on this whole argument or something. Um, I don't think that you know, for a show like Unsolved Mysteries, like they didn't, ha- they weren't prepared, you know. But then again, there's a lot of people that were involved with that show that probably had a lot of experience. So, oh, I mean, dude, it does kind of like, tie into what you're saying. It's like apples and but oranges. I think, but I think this wasn't like an instance of like it's the first film. Like I think this was still happening even with like the second or third film that he did. Which at that point, it's like no, that's a bunch of bullshit. You should have you should have figured it out by then. Well, anyone who's in the first film. Who still carried over into a third film? It's kind of like on them at that point. It's like, dude, you knew you knew I, this was like I, shitty conditions. Yeah, I know, but I don't know if it's necessarily on them, especially when it comes to this kind of scenario. Like, there's only so much you can do, and I, I mean, what, what they're gonna do all this and not get compensated for it? You know? Well, I mean, if that's a, if that's a contract that they signed, or if that was like a handshake agreement beforehand, then they can't really say shit about it after the fact. I mean, it's not like that movie could have made any kind of like serious money. <laughs> yeah, no. It's like that. Have fucking, you ever, That's like that. Have that, you even tried to watch those movies? Uh, n- no, not not serious. I've seen a bunch of videos where they kind of show the main scenes, and they are just so awful that I, there's no way I would waste. And they're like, aren't they like three hours or? Yeah, some of them are like three hours long. The la- it, isn't flea. the last one yeah. like, yeah, the last one's like like three or four hours. Like, what the? F- who do you think you are, dude? <laughs> like, I know how much it takes. It takes a solid like if I if you set the days back to back when I shoot a music video for my band, it takes a solid week of shooting, like seven days, probably four to six to eight hours per day it depends depends on what we need and how much time we have um and that that week of time is broken up over like a month you know or or sometimes longer and that's for a three or four minute music video of course our videos look a thousand times better than anything doug walker ever shot but um (laughs) even still like their script writing and like people have to memorize their lines and and like you have to do like the run through and they have to like you know the, the the. I don't think they did a run through. I doubt they ever did a run through. They were just like, oh, you got the lines. All right, let's do it. Yeah, probably. Well, even if they didn't do that, like lighting the and I know I know the videos don't have good production value, but even like switching camera angles, lighting, getting the boom mic just right to where it's not in the shot, but you're still capturing like decent sound. Although the sound on some of those sound like crap too. I don't know. It's like. <laughs> I, I, I'm just always of the mind that if I'm going to go into something and do it, I'm going to fucking do it right and do it well and, and do it justice. Like, I'm not going to half-ass anything yeah. just because, you know, I have a uh, hundred thousand YouTube followers yeah. and I, I can just get away with it. Like, I would never do that. 
if anything, the more popular I got, the more pressure I would feel to put out something that's higher quality product. And clearly Doug just, it was just all hubris with him. Yeah. That's one thing I will say. I think he's a pretty narcissistic bastard, but anyway. <laughs> that was the Channel Awesome podcast discussion. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's the end of the podcast. Uh, I've really got to take a dump, so let's speed up this exit. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. If you go to facebook.com, search in the group, uh, search in the search bar on Covering Unexplained Mysteries, and go to the group section and join the group. It's a great group, fun group, awesome group. Uh, I already told you our Patreon, patreon.com slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Uh, for $5 a month, you can tell us which uh, segments you want, and you'll get the show early. Um, even if you do $3 a month, you can at least get the show early. For $1 a month, you'll get a nice slap on the ass from me digitally. Um, then finally, we have our individual YouTube channels. Uh, me and Mike have our own channels that we do our own material. Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP Communications. That is youtube.com slash OCP Communications. Mike, what was your last video? Last video I did was a review of the film Boys in the Hood. I love that movie. Yeah, it's a good film. Uh, my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. That is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. You can find my band's original content. You can also see I do album reviews. I do commentary. Uh, I do like little mini documentaries about bands that I like or movements or festivals like the Woodstock 94, 99 festival. My last video I did was a funny little like trailer that I shot Sunday for like dancing with ghosts the movie and it's not a it's not a, it doesn't show me in the most positive light but it's it's funny and i'm doing a very bad british accent so if you want to see that jump on over there till next time everybody I, i'm josh cannon i gotta go take a fat shit good night see ya <laughs>